from the vault. High atop the pastoral center of the Diocese of Camden, you're listening to Talking Catholic. Hello everybody, once again to Talking Catholic, the official podcast of the Catholic community of South Jersey. I'm Pete Sanchez with my co-host Michael Walsh. Mike, how are you today? You know, I've come to realize that the most valuable asset to the podcast you are, Pete, is the opening of the podcast. Because the the one or two times I've had to open the podcast on my own because you were sick or out of the area, um, I have fumbled that more than anything else. I can talk for the next 59 minutes, but that, that first... 10 seconds, I have the hardest time starting the podcast. <laughs> well, it, it, I'm sure you could do it, Mike. It's just practice. Yeah, practice, well, man. You've had, what, 95 opportunities now. <laughs> this, is our, this is our 97th episode that we were recording. It's still a new thing, though. I, You know, it's easy. Now you jinxed me. The next one, I'm going to flub it. That's no. Good. It'll make me feel better if you flub it. So I'm glad, Mike. Anything I can do Thanks. to build up my fellow man. <laughs> I appreciate that. The, yeah. So, Pete, where are we today? We are uh, right now in, in Atlantic City. Uh, again, it is yeah. really yeah. We were here. This has sort of become our home away from home. This this town. I, I don't have a problem with that. No, I think we've recorded of all the things we've done out of the vault. I think we've recorded more stuff in Atlantic City than any other area of the diocese. They're going to start getting jealous soon. I know. Can we find a vault in Atlantic City then that we can find? Just I'm know? sure there's some casino vaults that the casinos would just love us to be in the basement of. Okay, we got to no. investigate. <laughs> no. If anybody knows of any vaults in Atlantic City, let us know. <laughs> and we're here. It's a, it's a, Remember, I have a key to the other vault, and there's no guarantee we'll get out of any vaults in this, this area. That's right. <laughs> we don't know. And some of those casinos are probably pretty old. Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. And those vaults. But uh, yet we're here in Lake City. It's cold, and we did something really... I, we've had a busy day. Mike. I would not agree with you, by the way. It was like, It's a beautiful day outside. I actually went out and I walked the boardwalk. I, uh, it was great. I, uh, so, yeah, we were, we were in town today for two reasons. One, to record this podcast. But two, earlier in the day, um, our, our, our fan favorites, the uh, CFRs, uh, opened up yeah. their uh, uh, Father Benedict house uh, up the street from where we are right now, uh, right across the uh, parking lot from uh, St. Nicholas of Tolentine Church. Um, and yeah, it was a great event. Uh, Bishop was down to, uh, to bless, uh, the house and a number of the, uh, actually, I think all of the CFR sisters from New York came down and a couple of brothers came down with them and, uh, yeah. it was great. It was outstanding. Yeah. It was really nice that St. Nicholas church is so beautiful. So yeah. that kind of said the music was beautiful. The mass was yeah, and a good turnout really? from uh, the local population too. It was a well-attended mass for Friday on the uh, Friday at ten a.m. Yeah, that's what it, I um, I noticed. People, I didn't. Uh, there's a jitney around here. I think it's free that yeah. takes people around, and that's nice to know. Next time, I I, I would have done that. I, I you made sure jitney. to get. You got here early instead and found a good parking spot. Yeah, Whereas but I, I had to trap uh, trapes all the way across the street uh, from my. I believe I was parked illegally somewhere. I'm not supposed to be parking without paying. So uh, it's a good thing though, because at least your heart is still pure. You didn't have to do anything illegal. I may have had to park illegally. Well, I guess uh, what I'm saying is, uh, I've done that too. I remember parking legally one time. I got it. I I didn't get off as lucky as you though. Oh, getting, I okay. thought. Oh, I thought I had a ticket, and when I came back, there was a t- there was a white paper on my dash, and I went, "Oh man, did I get a ticket? No, well, that's what I I deserve it." And uh, no, it was actually a flyer for the Irish pub. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> Still kept it, you know. I, I, I wanted to know what their lunch specials were. Did not go Next there for time. lunch, but I actually no. at the end uh, at the end of the event, um, 
uh, I was standing in the parking lot and I overheard that uh, Father, uh, that Bishop Sullivan and uh, Mother, uh, oh shoot, Mother, Mother Claire. Well, Mother Claire and Mother Lucille. I want to say Mother Lucille, yeah. yeah. Um, they were going up on the boardwalk with a couple of other sisters, uh, just to walk the boardwalk from St. Nicholas back to where they're based at St. Michael's up the road. Uh, so yeah, I just walked with them and got some great pictures of a bishop and four sisters walking down the middle of <laughs> the boardwalk in Atlantic City in in uh, December or late November, and uh, just sort of with everything around them. It ended up being like really cool sort of artsy photographs. So hopefully we'll figure out some way of doing something with them somewhere but it was just yeah it was not and it was a nice walk because uh, the sun was out so it was very warm that's why I, I disagree with you with the the coldness of the day i found it quite warm well that's yeah maybe the i think the sun had something to do with maybe you know the cold air but yeah the sun yeah it was nice the, the, the sun broke through and it, was, it ended up being very warm on the boardwalk so a rare opportunity for me to spend uh, a friday at noon on the boardwalk in atlantic city in i did no- not go into any casinos either and in November, you know, to have this good weather, too, yeah. that you're able to do that. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure, I mean, it's not every day you see a bishop and you see nuns walking oh, the boardwalk. <laughs> there were a lot of people turning heads. It was good. great. But I think that's why the sisters, you know, they're very big into street evangelization, which we, yeah. had, we had talked about with them before. And uh, they had a ton of people come up and just chat with them. And, and they talked to Bishop a little bit. And it was it was really nice. And actually, somebody who recognized them was uh, commenting on how great it's been that they've been in town and uh, sort of a uh, uh, utilizing the, the St. Michael's property. Uh, again, which is, uh, I know a lot of locals were uh, very hopeful that when when the sisters came to town, they would uh, sort of revitalize that area of the parish. And it looks like they have, so it's good. Yeah, it's such a a great opportunity for evangelization, having them here. Yeah. And the Father Benedict House was named after Father Benedict Groeschel, who was uh, was the founder of the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal and was uh, on EWTN. So he was an evangelist mm-hmm. in his own right, yeah. doing a lot of good work in uh, in New York. He's Jersey boy, which mm-hmm. I did not realize. So Bishop Sullivan mentioned that. And also Father Andrew Apostoli, who passed away last year, uh, co-founder of the Franciscan Sisters of the Renewal, uh, was uh, remembered because today is the Feast of St. Andrew the Apostle. Yes, it is. We're right. the first first uh apostle yeah and saint benedict or saint, i keep doing it i keep it's father benedict house i keep wanting to call it saint benedict house. <laughs> father benedict oh, someday i'll call it pope benedict house but uh father benedict house uh it um did you recall what the sisters were saying about how they were going to utilize it uh refresh my memory Mark. well it's uh it's basically being sort of it has a two-fold use uh, certain times during the week, um, they use it to help the needy uh, who come in and find it as a, a respite area for them. And, and they're able to sort of, um, they're not doing social service as much as just looking after their soul, soulful well-being by bringing them in and chatting with them and talking to them. And if, if they're interested, putting pointing them in the right, uh, right direction of some services that might be available to them. But it's mostly just to lend an ear and, and give them some food and some on a cold day like today, yeah. according to you, uh, bring, bring some warmth. Um, but it's also being utilized as a place where the, the, the community, that community has an initiative um, where they have basically missionary disciples. And these are young women um, who are basically taking, for lack of a better word, a gap year uh, somewhere in their schools, a scholastic life post high school, 
where they'll come down to town, live there for a year in service to the community, not the community of sisters, but the, the outside community. Uh, so they'll do service work. Uh, but at the same time, some of them are also discerning a vocation to uh, religious life. Um, and, they, and they've already had a, a great response. I th- they have four of these uh, missionaries uh, living with them now. And uh, I had the opportunity to, because uh, Bishop was blessing Benedict House, I had the opportunity to walk the entirety of, of Benedict House. There are a lot of rooms uh, for yeah. to, to have people come in. So and apparently a lot of times, sometimes uh, people from the area down here will actually like spend the night there and whatnot. Uh, uh, not anybody, but the young women who would are discerning a vocation. So it's been, it's been a great opportunity for them to do a little bit of evangelizing for, for religious life. I was, I was fortunate enough to talk to them at the reception afterwards. They had a little luncheon and these, these young women are coming from uh, Nebraska, coming from uh, England. Mm -hmm. And I think once even from Australia and they're just, uh, and I met a woman who is a sister up in the Bronx, who is a young woman, has been there a couple months now, mm-hmm. is uh, just professed and is from Austria. Yeah. So it's amazing how they, you know, these individuals working in the Northeast. Yeah, they're a very small community. They're, they're ti- teeny. Uh, as they say it themselves, uh, I was talking to them, they're, they're, they refer to themselves as the lowest rung of where, in terms of the longevity of their community. Like, they're not an order. They're, they're, they're very, they're, they're, they're a community uh, based out of New York, and it's actually based out of the office of the Cardinal in New York. Um, they're not like a global, it's not, it's not Vatican um, sponsored community yet. So it's a regional community, um, but they've they've because of this. I don't because of the nature of the community. They have this charism that they seem to attract a lot of attention. So they do. even though they're a baby community, yeah. So. Well, we have to pray for them, and we, yeah, they just do amazing work. It's just a blessed day. And now here we're part two of our day, Mike. We are at our Lady Star of the Sea School. Yes, we are. But you're skipping something before we make, we make that transition. Because we're actually recording this a little bit before it'll uh, go to air. So we don't have a ton of events to go over. By the time, I think by the time you listen to this, you will, uh, our, by the time you listen to this episode, we'll have been, uh, the next day we'll be recording the 100th episode, which will go up later in the month. Um, the sisters, uh, day of, uh, Advent day of reflection will have already happened on December 8th, even though we're recording this on November 30th. So I think we're going to put this up around December 13th, but there is one event we wanted to, to touch on. Yeah. Before Greg Coogan, the director of young adult ministry has my head. Yes. Sorry, Greg. Um, well this, this sounds like a really cool event. The Christmas caroling for young adults on December 21st. It's the Friday before Christmas. I'm really, by the way, I'm really jealous of this. I hope one of us goes, I may have to go to this event just under the guise of, I love Christmas caroling, but it's hard to find people who want to go Christmas caroling nowadays. Uh, I will go under the guise of covering it just so I can hang out and Christmas carol. Well, I won't be there, unfortunately. I have other plans. Actually, Father Robert Snatcher and I are going to a a rock concert with uh, some other family members that night. Which rock concert are you going to? We are seeing this band called The War on Drugs. Okay. So I apologize. Well, at least it's still musically inclined. It is. Yeah, no, it'll be fun. And you'll be with a priest. So, and we we'll probably will be almost singing the same as Caroline. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, you know, I wanted Greg to move this, but he said no. Um, I told him, man, I really wanted to go. I wish I could buy locate. Maybe that can be an early Christmas gift. Buy location. Yeah, Padre Pio had it. You know what? You're absolutely right. So let me know if it works. 
I will. Um, well, you'll see. You'll know if it works because you'll see me on the 14th. Christmas caroling for young adults. All young adults in their late teens, 20s, and 30s can come out for an evening and Christmas caroling to celebrate the joy of the season with shoppers along Hatton Avenue in Collinswood, which is a beautiful stretch, Mike. That oh, is, yeah, I love it. There is, they're going to gather at St. Teresa of Calcutta's McLaughlin Hall, 101 Lees Avenue at 6 p.m., and then after uh, caroling, returning to the hall for Christmas cookies and hot chocolate. So I think you're sold, Mike. Yeah, Christmas cookies, hot chocolate, caroling, I'm in. Collingswood, and I'm in. What what what's Is there a song that would really get you singing? Is there a Christmas carol that you love? There are many Christmas carols that I love. The one of, I love the most is the one I can sing the least because it has it, it has the highest range. Um, it's Oh Holy Night, um, which I can never hit that high octave. Um, but I love listening to other people do it, so that's always a treat. And then, you know, I have the same problem with songs that I have with prayers. I can never remember the words. So I'm actually, I, so I'm the caroler that goes along and mouths along until you can remember the lyrics. You know, I'm the same. I, I do that too. Some, yeah, I'm guilty. Like O Tannenbaum. O Tannenbaum's a beautiful song. And then uh, I, once you get past Tannenbaum, I'm like, I can't remember the rest of the words. <laughs> yeah. Granted, half is in, it's in German, but I still can't remember it. Or well, a Christmas tree. Yeah, I, I, that's right. I hear O Tannenbaum, but then there is also... Uh, is that the same song? Yeah, same song. One in English, one in German. There's also o, uh, Good King Wenceslas. Can't get past the act. That's the problem. The, tit- the ones that are titles of the first couple of words, I'm like, oh, I love that song. And then you realize, I don't remember the rest of the words. I know that in that song, Good King Wenceslas, there's On the Feast of Stephen, and the snow lay on the ground deep and crisp and even. Wow. Excellent job of that. saying the words. Good job. The Ben Crisp. Yeah. Good job. Not going to sing here. Um, <laughs> but, but the yeah, come on out. Christmas caroling December 21st, Friday, 6 p.m. St. Teresa, Calcutta. And call Greg Coogan to RSVP at uh, 856-583-2908. And all these events, this event and more can be found on CamdenDiocese.org. So come on out. And I think now I, my... My apologies to Greg. We got that in. And where are we, Mike? Why, why are you apologizing to Greg? We got it in. We did get it in. Oh, okay. And we're going to no get it in, next, we'll get it in next week, too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, we'll be fine. And we'll probably get it in the 100th, uh, probably not the 100th episode. But um, but anyway, so now, why are we here? We are here at our Lady Star of the Sea School. Uh, it's uh, Thank you so much. We are here with Principal Sue Tarrant and Investment Director Sister Kathy Nace. How are you two? We're great, and we're very, very happy that you're here in Atlantic City enjoying our beaches, although <laughs> it's still cold, and um, coming to see our wonderful school. No, this is great. I, uh, yeah, I was a reporter down in Wildwood for a long time, well, for several years anyway, a long time ago, and uh, I love being down in the shore area after everybody's left. It is my favorite time, so... Uh, anybody can come here in the summertime, but from late October till say late March, that's the time to be in in a short oh, time. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, we both live by the ocean <laughs> yes. in a touristy area, and it is great to come home and not see every the street lined with cars and mm-hmm. trying to vie for a parking space. Yeah, so we will always uh, and and actually we have to apologize. It's taken us so long to get down here. I have to give a lot of credit to uh, Mary Beth Peabody who uh, really loves this school and has loved working from our school's office. She's been on the podcast several times and uh, who loves the school and loves uh, working with the the two of you and has been saying, Mike, you guys have to get down and talk to the folks over at 
uh, Star of the Sea because they have a lot of really innovative ideas going on. And we're like, hey, we like innovation. We should do that. So thank you very much for inviting us down. I, I will warn our listeners that there's a chance that you may hear some bells in the background and maybe some announcements at some point uh but we'll probably try and take a pause during those but uh, if you hear anything and you send some something sounds out of sync that's a reason why because this is the, it is still the school day right it's still the school yes, day yes, yes. yes. We're, we're getting the authentic experience here that's, that's right. right that's right <laughs> well authentic would be if you stood in the middle of the hallway with all of them coming out at you at dismissal <laughs> but, it's, but you'll hear some of the things going on that's true funny. i stand correct just remember it's a friday afternoon so they're all excited oh yeah more <laughs> oh, so than usual <laughs> uh so um, so anyway, you know, this is a this is a unique school in the sense that it's an island school. Uh, there's not a lot of those in the diocese any longer, um, but this is one of them. And I'm, I'm just curious, Sue, how long have you been at the school now? I'm in my fifth year. Fifth year here at the, at the school, and okay. yes, it's um, and it's very different from any experience that I've had before because I've always been in um, a suburban school. So having the opportunity to be experience the diversity has been an education for me number one and yeah. just a truly wonderful experience and it's a it's a very unique school in its in its diversity as well you have uh you, you have an anglo population you have an hispanic population you have a vietnamese population vietnamese as population. well right mm-hmm. yeah and an african-american African American population yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so uh i'm that's i believe i'm gonna go out on a limb and say that's one of the more diverse uh mm-hmm. groupings of any of our schools in the diocese and uh you know, when it comes to community, particularly as advancement director, um, or as advancement director, sorry, I was pointing in the wrong direction, uh, sister, um, you know, sort of crafting a message for each of those uh, groups can be unique, I would think. It is. Well, I think in general, parents are parents. So regardless of the culture or the community they're coming from, they want what's best for their child. And so that message is consistent throughout. Um but it is, it's a unique, uh, it's a unique opportunity for parents to really be able to offer their children a multicultural experience coming here. Um, and really, if you spend any time in the classrooms, it's wonderful to see how the students interact. I think the, the school staff, the office staff do a great job of really kind of addressing the needs of the parents as they come in. A lot of our parents are not native English speakers, and so just working with them to make sure that they have everything they need, the, the office staff and Sue do a phenomenal job of making sure they have all the support they need to see that their kids can be successful. And sister, you've been here how long now? Uh, 12 you, weeks. 12, 12 whole weeks. <laughs> 12 whole weeks. <laughs> but, but I have loved every minute of it, I can guarantee you that. And I have loved every minute of it as well. It's been a wonderful, wonderful gift. Yeah, I, I have to imagine. Now, sister, where did you come from before here? So I before this, I was at St. Rose in Belmar. The, that's the central Jersey Belmar in mm. the Diocese of Trenton, not mm. the one in Camden. Um, <laughs> uh, I was the principal and president at St. Rose High School for, okay. uh, well, nine years. And uh, I was there a total of 12 years, but as vice principal before that. So you, you really only like to work on shore towns? You know, I know. Well, interestingly enough, no, my, my early years were in... Um, my very first mission was actually in Pottsville, Pennsylvania, as a sister of St. Joseph. And, um, and then I, I spent a good number of years at St. Michael's in North Philly. Um, oh, okay. And then from there went to North Jersey. And, uh, and then I've really so you've been, been a Jersey sorry. girl for <laughs> longer than longer Slowly than making your way east and, uh, yes. and down. I like that. That's yes, good. That's so. good. That's good. And what kind of a population was it in Belmar? Uh, Belmar is a very, it's a, uh, it's a very sub- 
suburban, fairly affluent community. So yeah. primarily we, we worked on having diversity in our building. Uh, so we were fortunate enough in the Diocese of Trenton, there's a wonderful school in Asbury Park, uh, Our Lady Mount Carmel, very similar in population uh, to uh, Star of the Sea. And so we were able to work with them to make sure that their students uh, had the opportunity for a Catholic high school education, mm -hmm. um, which was a great gift for our community. And we also had an international student program. Um, we had students from South Korea and China. Oh, okay. Uh, so, but that was, um, our diversity was not as easily come by. <laughs> I, I think that's not uncommon for, for many Catholic schools, which makes this a very unique uh, situation here in the sense that you have, A, a very diverse population, and you have a population that used to be primarily Anglo, um, and that community has moved on, which is why, like all Catholic schools across the country, you know, as, as things have, as people have migrated from one section or another, um, they see their enrollments decline, and certainly that happened here as well. But you, you, so you created a rather unique way of uh, altering your, your, your educational paradigm here to sort of work with that. So you have something here called blended learning, right? Right, and so my experience brought to the school um, you, working with the Daily Five. And the Daily Five is, I would say, could be a precursor to blended learning. And I got, so I, we, were, I, we were always very interested in uh, differentiating for the students, a word that's used pretty frequently now. But to honestly do it, you have to put certain things into place, which I have been really fortunate in that my teachers really wanted it and they supported it 100 percent so when i went to you know move it along i wasn't really moving along fast enough for them they really wanted to dive in so i would say two years ago um we really started to intentionally put the blended learning into into play and i went to a workshop in north jersey to see if this really if we were on the right track and what we were doing and then last February, I became a facilitator. I went to Arizona for a three-day workshop and became a facilitator in blended learning. Have not really branched out to too many other places. Have done it in the school, and have I'm trying to help other Catholic schools to also get up and running, and you know at least start with um, aspects of it. So, so from I think for most people, and I you know. Uh, the listeners know that I, I have a background in, in education. My father was a learning disabilities teacher coordinator for 40 years. My mother was a uh, director of guidance at Gloucester Catholic High School for 30 years. I was a teacher for one year. I went to school to be a teacher. I love everything there is about education. And when Mary Beth Peabody said, oh, there's this blended learning thing, I went, uh, what's that? So, okay. <laughs> so could, you give, uh, could you give me an idea of what, what blended learning really is? Sure. Blended learning really has a lot of different faces. It has one one, it applications in high school all the way down to pre-k and what it really is is it's the students having um, ownership of their education or ownership of their learning um, they have control over the time the pace um, and, and what they're doing so they really work the teachers work in what we would call mini lessons so they would present a mini lesson on a certain skill to the students to all the students and then the students break up and they, we have a two hour English language arts block. And in that two hour English language arts block, the teacher, uh, the children are in groups and move from station to station, which is similar to what centers we would know in education as centers, except that they are very intentional for each child. So each child has a different task based upon the skill, um, the skill level. And so the teacher spends 
one rotation with all of this with a group of students and we use guided reading so we really do not use a textbook series we use guided reading and then the students also have a rotation on Chromebooks so and on those Chromebooks are specific applications that is just for each child each child works at their own level on what their needs are there could be a reteaching portion of it so it's supporting the teacher and then they would do word work and they would do read to self or read to partner. So they have, they know in the beginning of the day what they're going to do. Um, the, and they just embrace it completely. And they're so engaged. And I walk down the hall sometimes and think, you know, why are they so quiet? I and mean, they're not really quiet, but they're engaged in doing what they need to do. And it also gives them the freedom to be successful because they're working at their individual levels. And we see great progress. You know, it sounds like um, from an outsider's perspective and maybe people who, who are listening to this, it almost sounds like a Montessori school sort of scenario. Is, would that be an accurate analogy? Or? Um, it would be. I would say maybe not um, maybe not quite as hands-on, um, tactile, mm -hmm. um, because I think in Montessori they use a little, a little bit more of that. But we are trying to infuse certain things um, to increase that. We just had the day before Thanksgiving – we had a STEM, a STEAM day, and all the children worked on one project throughout the school. And it was just, it was fascinating. And But I think the reason that it was so successful for us on a first try is that they have that experience of learning, mm -hmm. which they're asked to be creative, they're asked to put their input in, they're given ownership to make mistakes, or they're given permission, I should say, to make mistakes. And so mistakes and trying things is not new to them. Yeah. And have uh, have parents uh, responded to this? Particularly the the maybe the the parents who've been here a little longer and, and saw that transition. So I mean, ha have parents really embraced it? Well, we've let the parents know, but our parents are very. They believe in us, and they believe that they're putting their children here, and we're going to do what's right. So they're they don't. Re Good afternoon. Afternoon announcement. Okay, and we just came back from, from listening to our announcements. For me, it, uh, it was a nice throwback for the, to the good old days. Yeah. <laughs> so, Sue, we just wanted to follow up with what we were talking about before. Right, well, we were talking about parents, and parents seem to be happy, the ones that we've had interactions with, um, because their students, are, we can show them the actual progression, because the diocese uses now STAR assessments, so we're able to really benchmark them in the beginning, and we check their growth at least three times a year. Um, but the other advantage that we have with the blended learning, and again, our small numbers uh, it afford the teachers the ability to send students to other teachers for curriculum that is better suited to their skill level. So for instance, a fourth grader could be with fifth grader for math because we also try and keep our schedule the same so everybody's doing English language arts at the same time, math, so that we can switch them around when they need. And you're so the students seem to be pleased, and the uh, the parents, you know, seem to be uh, pleased. How were your teachers when uh, you first sort of broached this idea to them? Well, as I said before, actually they were they were wonderful. I brought in a teacher uh, from a, a school where I was principal before, and she came in and she had been doing the daily five for a really long time. So she coached them on that, and none of them, actually three of them 
had never used reading series before. So going to the guided reading was really natural for them. And then as I said, the second summer after I went to become a facilitator in blended learning, I came back to them, I said, okay, so this is our plan. And uh, this is what I, I see happening. And they said, well, we don't want to wait a year to start. You know, we want to integrate the technology now. And part of that was also finding programs and piloting programs that would um, give them the best, would, would support their program the best and mm -hmm. what they were actually trying to do. So we did, we were lucky enough to pilot two programs. They used those. We chose them for this year and we were off and running. And they really like it now because the students have been doing it. So say the second grade teacher gets students who are used to it. And if we get new students, they fit right in. And I was in a fourth grade a week or so ago, and I said to the student, I said, do you realize this is so different from the way I was educated? And they looked and they said, we love it. We could never go back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think that that's really important, too. That that really is. And, you know, when you can get buy-in across all three of those elements, that's, I mean, I think if you've struck gold. If, if nothing else. And how, are you, how does it uh, sort of uh, interact with the uh, standardized testing? Have you, have you noticed good results? I would have to say, honestly, in our standardized testing, not probably as much. It doesn't really pinpoint. It gives us a good uh, baseline and a and it supports, it usually supports what we see in the other testing, in the STAR assessments and what we see just on observation. But I do think that the standardized testing now they're not really used to it. They're used to the smaller chunks of testing that the STAR assessment gives or other assessments that we give. But sometimes the long, a day or five days of doing it yeah. gets them a little bit. Oh, well, I but mean. But we use right. that data. We mm -hmm. still use that yeah. data, and it's important as well. Well, I mean, I, I still remember. I, I clearly remember from both as a, in grade school and in, in high school, anytime we had to do standardized testing, and it was, it, it just always threw your schedule off. It was, it, yes. it never felt normal. It always felt like an, an, an unusual aspect. I hated it. I was, I was decent at it. I got, I was better than middle, but, um, but uh, I always, it always seemed so foreign to, mm -hmm. to the learning process. Right. And our form of assessment is different or our feeling on assessment is different. We do a lot of formative assessment, you know, daily assessment. The teachers, the one thing you asked about how the teachers felt about it, they love it, they're committed to it, but they will admit and they'll admit to anyone who's going to, you know, implement it in their classroom, it's a lot of work because yeah. every day they're checking every student to see where they need to be and what they need to do the next day. But again, it's for the students and they're, um, and they're doing great. Yeah. So. And Sue talked about, you know, the STEAM day and the students really being able to, like, it was it was a natural day for them in a sense because they take ownership. And I know as development director, part of my job is enrollment. And just even walking around the building as a new member of the community, I one of the things that struck me immediately is how articulate the kids are about their own learning. Really? They really do have a sense of where they are and what they're doing. You know, most times you go into a classroom and you say to a kid, well, what are you learning? And they kind of shrug their shoulders and look at you like, I don't know, look up on the board. And, um, but for our students, they really can tell you what they're learning. They they look right, you know, they they can take you to uh, to the books that they're reading and they can, they really speak to what's happening in the classroom for them. And they're able to say, and what I I'm doing and this is how it relates to what the person next to me is doing they may not be exactly the same thing but they they have a sense of what it is that's unique to them yeah. and what is general to the whole group it's been very interesting to see just and even and you know we're talking 
first, second, third graders here wow. that really can speak to what is their educational experience. Right, and I, I, the only thing that I do fear, I do tell the teachers every once in a while, I advise them to give them something perhaps a little more standard as an assessment because they can't always, um, they can't get away from that. If they go somewhere else or as they get older and as they're going off to high school, they are gonna have some more uh, I want to say paper and pencil assessments than um, what we might be doing, but it's still we. It just affords us the opportunity to keep them on a steady track of improvement. Mm -hmm. yeah. Sounds like it's really providing them a sense of pride and self confidence. You know, in order they're they're taking ownership of their own work and they're seeing how they do, mm -hmm. and also they're seeing, like you were saying, the difference in what their classmates are learning, and then they can learn something. In that sense, too, you know, the diversity or the, the differences that them and their classes have. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When I first um, broached this with uh, Bill Watson, our director of um, curriculum, I said to, and we've had many conversations about it, but I said to Bill, I said, all right, I really, really believe in this. I've seen the Daily Five work, and I really believe the blended is going to work. I said, but what if it doesn't? He said, and he said to me, and I think this was really important, he said, Sue, you are going, they, they are going to do at least as well as they would do with conventional. And they're probably going to do much, much better. So it is definitely worth it for you to implement it and to go with it. And thank goodness with his support, you know, and, and the diocese, uh, the Office for Catholic Education has been wonderfully supportive in all that we've been doing. Yeah, they, they are very proactive in that regard. And Bill has, is a prior guest on the, I think he's been on the, on the podcast twice, as a matter of fact. He's also my, my go-to uh, voiceover guy now. I, uh, he's, <laughs> he's, he's got these nice, he's got these great golden pipes. And it's like, you know, I need, I need, you to, I need a minute or two of uh, script from you. Can you, can you go up to the studio or the vault? Um, no, it really is. And, and I do like, I very much, I will, it, I fully admit that I have a preference for, for progressive education. You know, that I, I've, Maybe it was because it was always the the one-off things that were the things that interested me the most when I was in school. I had the opportunity with a couple of friends of mine in eighth grade. Um, uh, we we were entered into a contest, and we were we basically were allowed to write a book. Um, and for one quarter during English class, we went we went off and wrote a book. Um, now the downside of that is I don't know how to diagram a sentence. However. <laughs> I've learned that uh, I didn't really need a heck of a lot of that in my <laughs> professional career. I didn't really need it again until my son came home uh, a few uh, last year and says, Dad, I got to diagram a sentence. I was like, well, hopefully mommy can teach you and I. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, other, but, it was, but it was a great opportunity to sort of work as a, as a collective group. Uh, we actually produced a really kind of cool looking book and it was an interesting idea. And I'll, I'll never forget that opportunity. And certainly there was lots of playtime and all that, that uh, writing, but it's a creative experience. There, there should mm -hmm. be playtime and my my son where he goes to school now you had mentioned centers and i was mm -hmm. like that's the first time i'd heard it referenced before and, and that was a concept that i never really understood until he went to uh, until he went to school um but I, I always like anything that can bring something interesting into a into the school and you'd mentioned uh, you had the steam which mm -hmm. is sort of a stem plus arts right mm -hmm. yes mm -hmm. so so 
do you try to do a number of Steam things, or or I know some people even have Stream now with a little stream, bit of religion, religion in there. Religion in there. So yeah. we're working up to Stream. So our first day was a Steam day, um, and then so the students. Uh, it was as Sue said, it was a it was a school wide activity. So first through eighth grade worked on the same concept. They each they worked in pairs, and the students had a pizza box, and they were to use the pizza box and any other recycled materials or found materials or things that were lying about the classroom. Um, to create either an original game or recreate a, a you know more traditional board game or arcade game, um, and then they they you know presented to their classmates, got feedback, and and then we had an opportunity during the course of the day to you know actually play the games, um, and that is kind of that was to lay the groundwork for an activity uh, that we'll be doing during Catholic Schools Week uh, on our next stream day, um, and it's based off of something called the Cardboard Challenge. Um, there's a great video docu documentary really um, called Kane's Academy. It's about a little boy in Los Angeles who. You know, his dad owns an auto repair shop, uh, mostly run offline online now. And uh, he was off on summer break, and dad was the primary uh, child caregiver. So he basically said to the kid, Go entertain yourself. And the boy built an entire arcade out of cardboard boxes that he, and really clever solutions to, you know, getting a hook for a claw machine and things like that. But he never had anybody come play his arcade games. And so until one day this young guy shows up and was looking for a piece for his car and, um, you know, bought the, the pass. So it was $2 for 500 games. And I uh, was so taken with the story and the kid that he came back as a filmmaker and did this documentary on the boy. And it went viral. And there was a whole, you know, a thousand people came out the following Saturday to play at the arcade. Wow. Um, so since then, schools have taken that documentary and kind of used it as a starting point for this cardboard challenge, where students are, in, you know, kind of challenged with the concept of creating an arcade game using completely recycled materials. But it's great to see the kids problem solving, like you know, as we were walking around the school that day, you know, trying to figure out like the where where you need to put the you know, the bumpers on a, on a cardboard, on the lid of a pizza box, so that if you're doing like Plinko, where, you know, how the chips are going to fall, do you need the bumpers here, and do you want the cups out that far, and kind of those placement issues and things like that. It was really interesting to see them interacting with their partners, but then getting feedback from their, from their uh, peers and classmates as well. And one teacher said to me that I was looking and I was kind of commenting on the, the choice of the partners just knowing the children pretty well. And she said, no, she said they chose each other. And it was it's children who wouldn't normally, not friends or who wouldn't normally work together. And part of the exercise as well is, you know, our Catholic school, number one, we, we have great, you know, our academics, I think, are wonderful. But we also have to remember we're a Catholic school and why are we here? And so part of that is socialization and working with other people. And so that's why that as well is so important and them having to work out you know, who's going to, you know, who's kind of going to be charged? Who's going to be the gopher? You know, how are we going to work together to come up, which they need in our world today? Mm -hmm. That is, that is absolutely true. And I, I really appreciate that because uh, I, <laughs> that, I don't think that was a big, uh, that was a big element of my education background as a child. And I think it's still why, why and Pete might attest to this, I don't play well with others still. It's like, <laughs> I, very, very soft, right, Pete? It's, it's like, no comment. Okay. <laughs> But, um, but, you know, we were talking a little bit about background. Sister Kathy, we talked a little about your educational background mm -hmm. professionally. Um, Sue, where, where you said you've been here five years. Where did you sort of... I've been here five years, but I um, restarted my 
teaching career um, back in Cheshire, Connecticut in the Archdiocese of Hartford. Um, we opened up a school. Mm. So we had the wonderful ability, and that's probably why I'm so, like, I don't want to say forward thinking, but I always like something new because we opened that school with a pre-K kindergarten and first grade and added a grade every year. And it's still one of the largest schools in the, um, in the Archdiocese of Hartford. And so everything was new. And so I'm used to implementing and, and you know, back then we had like read, write and type and, and that was our claim to fame and it was great. Then um, I'm, I was there, I believe, like 13 years as teacher and as principal. And then I went to Yardley, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. and I was principal of St. Ignatius in Yardley. And then I was um, vice, pr- vice principal, sorry, at uh, Mary Mother the Redeemer in North Wales. Okay. So and then that brought me, well... A number of reasons brought me here. I didn't really think I would be semi-retired living at the shore and um, having the opportunity to be principal of a school. But one day someone in the gym down in Cape May said to me, do you know there's an op- you know, that Sister Seamus is, le- is retiring? And I said, no, I didn't. My husband and I took a, a, a ride up here. We went to Mass here. We met Father Joe. And he didn't know at that time I was even, look- well, for whatever reason I was looking, and I said, I'll put my hat into the ring. Yeah. And that's how I that's came how you here. Up here. There you mm-hmm. go. The, and Sister Seamus is uh, certainly well known in, in this area. As a matter of fact, you still have the Sister Seamus walk, right? We do. Yes, in May. Yes, mm-hmm. In May, that's just mm-hmm. right. The, uh, that's always, I always, always enjoy that one. First of all, Seamus. That's a good, <laughs> good Irish name. Why, why wouldn't I appreciate that? Now, Sister Kathy, we talked about your professional career, mm-hmm. but we started this podcast, Pete and I, talking about uh, vocations. We were up the street at the with the CFRs. Um, I'm curious, what was your, what was your road to a vocation? Road to <laughs> So I grew up in Philadelphia, uh, uh, St. John's in Maniunk, and I had the Immaculate Heart Sisters there. And then I went to Sicilian Academy, which was an all-girls school run by the Sisters of St. Joseph in uh, Mount Airy, Mm -hmm. section of Philadelphia. And I just loved it. I love both of my experiences, but my experience at Sicilian and meeting the Sisters of St. Joseph. So um, I I always tell the story that when I, I, we were freshmen in high school and we were walking past the convent one morning, you know, my my best education in high school came from the commute to school. So for me to get to school, it took two buses and a trolley. And I learned more on the 23 trolley than probably I did in the classroom. But but I was walking with a crowd of friends from the trolley over to school. And um, as we were passing by the convent, we were all talking about, you know, what we wanted to do someday. And, and, uh, and, uh, you know, when the question came to me, my friends, I said, I didn't know. But in the back of my head, I heard this little voice that someday I wanted to be a sister of St. Joseph. Now, I never said that out loud to anybody, but uh, not at that time. And I probably, I thought I was getting away with everything. And I think I was a junior. I got a detention for not having a book, which we were told that we didn't have to bring to class. I would just like to clarify. Okay, sure, sure. So <laughs> sister said, don't bring this book. And I didn't bring the book. And then the next day she wanted to use it and I didn't have it. So I got a detention, but I didn't want to fight with her. So my friends on my behalf went to her and said, well, you can't give her a detention. You told her not to. You told us not to bring the book. And you know she's going to be a nun someday. And I'm like, how did you all think? <laughs> <laughs> so I was horrified to think my friends had figured this out but uh, after a lot of conversation with my parents we agreed I would go to college and work for a little while so I graduated from high school went to Chestnut Hill College so I always like to tease the sisters I'm a real Chestnut Hill graduate because I graduated before I entered the community and (laughs) not on the 14 years of Saturdays that it took the rest of them 
<laughs> and um, and uh, and then I taught uh-huh. for a year in North Wales. Actually, I was a lay teacher in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia for okay. one year at uh, St. Rose of Lima in North Wales. And then I began my formation with the Sisters of St. Joseph. So that was 29 years ago. So, wow. Yeah. That's great. Well, yeah, we, we've had a lot. We, we have a we've somehow there are three things we talk about on the podcast with some regularity. I think we've gotten good at this, Pete. Um, we, we talk to uh, DREs and, and youth ministers a lot. We yeah. talk about vocations a lot. Yeah. Uh, and, well, actually, we just kind of talk about nothing a lot. But that's, that's a different <laughs> and story. Food. Get, and food. We do talk about food quite a bit as well. But we always like coming back to say, what drew somebody into what they ended up doing? And I'm curious, so, uh, like, what, what was it about education that, that – like I actually, I went to college to be a teacher, and I think, thank God, that didn't work out, because uh, um, I went in a completely different area, and it was probably for the best, uh, since I don't play well with others. The but what sort of brought you into education? I think honestly, was my elementary experience uh, really? and the sisters, and. I liked to volunteer. We had a special education CCD program. So when I was in seventh and eighth grade, I volunteered for that. And I loved working with, again, with the young children. And then I entered for my undergraduate with special education. So of course I fell in love with that. But when I, I, and I worked in special education until I had my family and I was lucky enough to stay home with my children until we opened up St. Bridget. And I, loved loved teaching i just loved being with the children and again that silly innovative you know spirit is there and i remember sister loretta francis in um the archdiocese of hartford bringing me in and saying okay you're ready i said i'm ready for what she said you're ready for administration she said and i said but my kids are still young and everything. she said don't worry i know i know you can do it I'm like okay and i guess that's the way you coerce people into doing things you're sure that they can do it. So she said to me, is there anything that I need to worry about with you in in doing this? I said, yes, paperwork. And I said, I'm abysmal at getting paperwork back to you. And she said, well, that must be because you've got so many ideas in your head and you can't do it. So I said, she had it the same way that your friends knew. Oh, the nuns can sell it. (laughs) Yeah, her friends knew that Sister Kathy was gonna be a sister and Sister Loretta knew that I was gonna be in administration. And then when I got into administration, I was a little, I liked it, but I was a little bit sad because I loved, you know, being in the classroom with the children. But then it became really challenging, and I love a challenge. And I still got to interact with the children, and I, and in a way, I got to make sure that they were getting the best that they yeah. could could get. Yeah. That that was something that both of my parents um, really loved being able to do. And and I have to admit, for all of my mockery of my brief educational career. Um, I, the year I was a teacher was one of the happiest years of my life. I, I was 20, uh, mid to late 20s, 27 maybe. Definitely not, I was, you know, definitely not mature enough to be a, a teacher at that point as a dumb dude from South Jersey. But, but, um, but, but it, it, the bug has been in me ever since. And, you know, I, I don't know if I'd ever go back to school again. I, we've talked about this on the podcast before, but, I, I still have a dream to be a college professor, not not a full, just an adjunct, you know, <laughs> teach a couple of classes, stuff like that, because I, I do love the interaction and, yeah. and working with people and mm-hmm. particularly with people. And I mean, at all levels that they really have a genuine desire to, to learn more. Um, and it certainly sounds like this kind of a program here at Our Lady Star of the Sea really encourages kids to to be invested in their education mm-hmm. and not just 
I'm sure that there are kids that will sit there and twiddle their thumbs. It's just the nature of being a kid in a school. But, but it sounds like you have very invested students. Well, and we also have programs, you know, for our older students as well. They didn't kind of grow up with the blended learning, and they're still and they still have to do uh, be prepared for high school. So we try and infuse different things into their curriculum, like the create. We have a Judge Nugent comes and teaches creative writing to our eighth graders. Um, two days a week, and we also had a, an essay contest, which was pretty publicized. Um, they wrote on a very uh, controversial subject, and they did a really wonderful job. We also have um, a general, uh, a local architect who comes, and who they infuse history and architecture, and he works with the seventh graders one day a week. And we have um, another retired um, mom who likes to come in and do Bible stories with the students and, you know, act them out and make it real. Um, so we're really fortunate that the community as well is so involved in the school. Uh, I can't imagine, you know, how we would do it without their support. Yeah. And are, are all your students from the island or do you do they come in from elsewhere? We have students primarily from the island. I would, the majority of our students will come, but we do have students who come in from um the mainland, Pleasantville. Pleasantville. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. so we do. Mm -hmm. That's great. Has it been a, you know, challenge with the, with Atlantic City the last few years, with the Superstorm Sandy and the, um, the casino industry. Well, again, I'm, I, you know, so I'm coming in and learning the community. So I would say the answer to the question, short term, is short is yes. The short answer is yes. Um, but I think, I think the reality of Catholic education today is most families, in general, question can they afford the commitment to Catholic education, and and uh, it's not that they don't see the value or, or have the desire, but they question their ability to afford Catholic education. And so certainly I think for our families, the uh, the, the effects of Superstorm Sandy and the, the kind of the, the bottoming out of the casino industry in Atlantic City over in, in previous years has had an impact on, on the community here. But um, Sue and we're very blessed to have a number of benefactors who really do uh, take a tremendous interest in the school and making sure that we are able to offer financial aid and assistance to our families. And so we have a, a, a cocktail reception that's as the Gormley reception sponsored by uh, former Senator Bill Gormley, which raises over $50,000 each year yeah. to provide tuition assistance. We've just started a new partnership with the Allen Trust Foundation, uh, which is providing an additional $25,000 a year for uh, tuition assistance to our families and so we we are fortunate in that sense and and with the kind of the redevelopment the you know mm -hmm. the new hope uh for atlantic city and the kind of the change and that seems to be coming i think there's an opportunity for um new families moving into uh the area to really get to know star of the sea it's the, it's the 110th year of the school yeah. uh, which is remarkable when you think about catholic education um just the 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 really what this building literally if the building could talk what it has seen yeah um and and we have to trust that it's really gone through a number of transitions already and this is just another version of a transition that it has experienced already and so i think sue and what the teachers do here every day is just remarkable and and we're very blessed because we do have and we continue to look for people who want to partner with us to make sure that we're able to provide um, the resources families need to be able to choose to be here and one thing i did not mentioned is that we have a designated special education class yeah. and yeah. a special education a teacher wonderful. and aid so we are able to um, 
accept students with IEPs, which is really great. But we also say because we're so differentiated and our teachers, our classes are relatively small that they can even, they transition between the regular classroom and the special education classroom, whatever, again, is best for them individually. So it varies. So we're just about to, to wrap up, uh, but we, we were talking briefly earlier about, the, and we always like to plug things. We usually plug things at the beginning. Is there anything you'd like to plug as we're coming to a, to a close? So, yeah, we have a lot of it. Well, we yeah. are at the end of November, so we're looking forward to, you know, the Advent and the Christmas season. So we have our primary grades in the first through fourth grade are getting, or pre-K really through fourth grade, are getting ready for Christmas around the world. So the students in those classes take uh, three countries each, and they do some research about the Christmas Christmas traditions related to that culture and they share that among the primary grades so there will be an assembly on on December 19th where the students will share what they have learned about the cultures that they've studied and then they uh, make food or their parents make food (laughs) based on those cultures and send it in so after they have their their presentations or songs or whatever it is they're presenting however they're presenting uh, they get to enjoy the food of that culture as well Uh, and we have the nativity a very long standing tradition. tradition yes yes the christmas pageant and that's our hmm it's first second third grade eighth graders choir and they during the after the uh, the homily in the uh christmas eve mass uh, the five thirty christmas eve mass the children um enact the the nativity the you know, mm-hmm. and the choir helps with their singing, and the eighth grade does the reading, so that the little guys do the acting. Yes, and um, that is we have. In fact, we had someone call today to ask when it was because she said my daughter's coming home from for Christmas, and she really wants to go to this. So it's definitely a longstanding. I, I'll be honest. I I was in. I, mm-hmm. I, I think I was always in the Christmas plays growing up. I I love Christmas presentations at grade schools. I really do. I'm probably the only parent whose son goes, and I'm like, sign me up. When do we when do we watch? And I I love them. I love them so much because I just have such fond memories when I was yeah. a kid. I was Joseph in the play. At the very end, we did a musical at Queen of Heaven, mm-hmm. and I came in at the very end because usually you follow the same format. There was a pageant, there was a Christmas play, people singing, acting, and then at the very end, the Holy Family came out, mm-hmm. and I was Joseph with Mary and Jesus. I could see you as Joseph. Yeah. And I had a metal staff. Mm-hmm. They just pulled out but the You'll closet. never find more <laughs> sincere and enthusiastic participants than little kids no, at no. Christmas pageants. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they'll never, ever forget it, just no. like you never, yeah. ever yeah, forgot amen. that. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so, again, going back to we are a Catholic school, so we're proud that that's something yeah. that we can keep as a tradition. Yes, yes, I can yes, still yes. sing every song that I sang <laughs> at the Christmas. It's not, I'm not kidding. No. It's weird. It's just stuck in my brain. Beautiful. Nope, I can't sing any of them, but that's okay. <laughs> when, when is the pageant? When is the nativity? It, well, we do one for the school um, on the last day, which I believe is the 21st. 21st of December. And, right. and we're doing it early because we have an early dismissal, like 9 o'clock in the morning. And then the next time is Christmas Eve night they do it at the 5.30 Mass. I they love that. at the 5.30 Mass. I That's love cool. that. That's yeah. such a great idea. That is wonderful. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you very much for letting us come down and, well, and chat you with you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah really. Thank you for being here. Today. No, and thank you, Mary Beth Peabody, for uh, making sure that uh, yeah. we we actually made it down here. She had a pitchfork and behind us. Like, go down and <laughs> talk with these people, please. Oh, my we'll goodness. Come. Anybody who wants to learn anything about you know, or come see the school. Please mm-hmm. come. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it is a beautiful school, and it's a, it is a very nice area of the town. You're, you're right behind Our Lady Star of the Sea uh, Church, 
just a few blocks from St. Michael's Church, just a few blocks from the ocean. So, and if for all those people who love coming to the shore like I do in the winter months, just come by and say hi. That's right. If, if yeah. I can just say, I just want to direct Sister Kathy and uh, and Sue. I, I'm coming only through Atlantic City the last couple of years, getting to know this place, mm-hmm. and it just it just makes me so happy to see the sisters, the church. And the school now, I've been able to experience this evangelization here of Catholic values. And that's so important. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, uh, you know, Atlantic City sorely needs your, uh, your work right now. So keep up the good work. And, right. and I, one thing I didn't mention, which I really have to, this was began as a Sister of Mercy school. And we do, we're still lucky enough to have two Sisters of Mercy on our staff. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, that's great. Yes. Mm-hmm. I love it. I, my son, I'm, I'm happy to say, has uh, sisters at his school, too. And uh, that is, without a doubt, my favorite thing in the world. I, I grew up, uh, it was I, we had Dominicans at, our, at my school. He actually goes to the same school that I went to uh, 40 years ago. Um, but it, it, and now there's a new group of sisters in there, Franciscan sisters, and I think that really does add a certain level when when religious women are there in in the uh, the school. So thank you for being here, Sister well, Kathy. Thank you, thank, thank you. Right. you. Well, I we had I, we probably don't have any more time, but we I when Sister Kathy came as a sister of Saint Joseph, we had the Sisters of Mercy, we had the Franciscan Sisters of Renewal who come and do adoration and do things with our students, and now we're getting um, some Latino sisters to also come and oh. work in the parish. And I said, well, we're a multicultural school, we might as well be a multi- Cultural, that's right. Religious. Exactly. <laughs> that's right. Each each community has its own charisms. Bring that's them in. Exactly. That's that's a good point. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thanks again for for sitting with us, and thank you to everyone who uh, downloaded the podcast and take listen to it. Um, remember, uh, if you're hearing this early enough, we still have our hundredth uh, podcast coming down the road. And but otherwise, I got some ideas for uh, for year three of the podcast. Can you believe that, Pete? Where we're going into year three soon. I'm not Sorry. ready. You're not I'm ready? I'm not ready for the new. Uh, it's crazy. This year blew by. It uh, did. It did. We, and this was a great year for podcasts. We, I don't, we didn't have a lot of duplicates. We made it out of the uh, the vault a lot. So uh, so we'll keep it up for uh, for 2019. And everybody, I guess this will go up right before Christmas. So Merry Christmas to all of you. Yeah. Well, we'll figure out when it goes up. When it goes, well, when you people listen to it, you listen to it. It's fine. It's a podcast. It's not like it's... Yeah. It's, right. it's evergreen. All right, Pete. Well, thanks for joining us again. And setting all the stuff up. All right. Thank you. See everybody. Thank you.